Now, think of all the words that they had heard in three years. They were three years in Bible school with the living Lord Jesus. They heard his Sermon on the Mount. They heard him preaching from the boat on the lakeside. They heard him preaching in the house in Capernaum. And they listened to him in private and had many questions and conversations with him. And the Lord now said, if my words abide in you. So all of the gambit of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, all the very tomb of truth that he imparted to them, they were now to live in this and to accept it in all its fullness. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and we're here today to bring you the message of the gospel from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church. Firstly, we turn to our devotional in Psalm 9. And I want to turn you to the most politically incorrect statement in all of the Bible. Psalm 9, verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. This word is found in the Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Christian church. It is the devotional book, but it is based upon one of the most stern warnings and statements of all the Bible. You see, our devotion must be based on truth. Our worship of God is not based on the fanciful imaginations of our minds, but it must be based upon what God has said about himself what God has said about us, and what God has said about the wicked. And here we find that God is righteous. Now, I'm going to call this the boomerang effect. We read here in Psalm 9, verse 15, the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. This was their own predetermined, deliberate action. And the very net which they hid, which they hid for others, that is, is their own foot taken. Oh, what a turnaround this is. The wicked end up being destroyed by the very activity that they plot. We see that in gang warfare. We see that in drugs. We see that in war. We see that in the inhumanity of man to man. And how often men end up in the pool of their own blood because they have taken the blood of others. God is righteous. And that is one of the absolutes of the Bible. You cannot have an unrighteous God. It is incomprehensible for one who is totally sovereignly on the throne, ruling the world, but unrighteous. If he's unrighteous, he's no longer good. He's no longer wise. He's no longer holy. But God is righteous, and all his actions are righteous. And therefore, his response to wickedness is to destroy the wicked. And we're told here that the wicked shall be turned into hell, and the, all the nations that forget God. Now, this is not just the grave, because, yes, all nations end up in the grave. Cemeteries are in every nation in the world. Man runs his little course and returns to the grave. But that would be no warning or punishment to the wicked. Just because a wicked man dies in body, the righteous also die in body. 
But this fact is that there's a hell, a place of torment, a place of eternal punishment, where men live out eternally in a conscious state, aware of their sufferings and their own rebellion to God. And we're told here that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Now, that statement is planted right in a word of encouragement to Christians. For it says in the next verse, For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Those that do wickedly will meet their judgment day. Those that trust in the Lord shall be saved. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. This is the prayer of the Christian. This is the prayer of the man or woman of God. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Now, God has many ways of doing that in the crash of economies, in the uh, warfare of men, in famines, droughts, earthquake. God proves that he reigns supreme. We must trust him, not rebel against him. Let's unite in prayer and ask for grace to trust him. Father, we come to thee in prayer today. We take this text to heart that all the nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. Lord, we cry to thee for the nations, and we know the Lord Jesus came into the world to save nations of men from their sin. We thank thee that the gospel of the Lord Jesus is God's plan to deliver men from eternal punishment. And on the cross, our Lord Jesus bore the wrath of God. He bore the hell that was due to us, that he might save us from our sins. And I pray today that you will turn the nations to Christ, and that this will be the, the time of a gathering in of the harvest of souls that need the Lord. O oh God, make us missionaries, make us evangelists, Make us your messengers to cause men and women to flee from the wrath to come. Now, Lord, bless thy word today. Stir the hearts of your people that we may be quickened to the great work of reaching a lost world where men are perishing for their want of Christ. O oh Lord, hear our cry today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. to accept the work of the Father, training, 
cleansing, purging us. How does God do this? Sometimes it's through trials and troubles. And there are many Christians that go through issues and difficulties, and God is using those things to train that you might bring forth more fruit. The classic example in the Bible, of course, is Job. And he said, He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And the troubles and trials that Job went through is the story of God making a good man a better man, a more fruitful man. And you have to accept that there are difficult, hard things for you to bear that you might bring forth more fruit. Now, can you accept that life? You see, many Christians, when they get into that situation, they rebel. You see, I can't take this anymore. I never realized when I signed up for Christianity that it would be a life of trouble and trial. I never realized that my heavenly Father would try me in so many different ways. I want out. I want this to change. And there is a rebellion, rejection of the loving training of our heavenly Father. No, we are to abide. We are to accept the training and to accept that each and every incident that providence brings into our lives is God's way of making us produce more fruit. Now, that's the accepting part of abiding. It's very practical. That's why I've called this the practice of abiding. And there are some Christians that kick against it. But the one who abides, accepts, submits, recognizes that this is a loving Father at work, that we might produce more fruit. Now, in the midst of it, there may be questions we cannot answer. But we have to acknowledge the Lord Jesus' teaching to his disciples. And these disciples were going out into a hostile world to plant gospel churches, to teach Christians how to live. And here he is giving them his heart. Abide by accepting your position as a branch and the purging, cleansing work of the husbandman. Now, if we can't do that, and if we don't surrender to that, can we call ourselves disciples? The second word is feed. Now, go to verse 7, where it says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now, you'll see how the Lord breaks out of the analogy. Uh, vines and branches don't need words, but Christians do. We live upon the word of the Lord. This is our bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of our heavenly Father. And here is the second main imperative or condition of enjoying this two-way abiding, of us abiding in the Lord and the Lord abiding in us. Here is our responsibility 
toward the Lord's word. And we're to feed on this. It says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you. And we're to feed on the Lord's word, firstly, as authoritative. In its historical setting, this was applied to the apostles. Now, think of all the words that they had heard in three years. They were three years in Bible school with the living Lord Jesus. They heard his Sermon on the Mount. They heard him preaching from the boat on the lakeside. They heard him preaching in the house in Capernaum. And they listened to him in private and had many questions and conversations with him. And the Lord now said, If my words abide in you, so all of the gambit of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, all the very tomb of truth that he imparted to them, they were now to live in this and to accept it in all its fullness. And they had listened to this so much of the Lord's preaching that they were going to go out and now preach it for themselves. Now, I, as a preacher, if I'm abiding in the Lord's words, what will I be doing here today? I'll not be preaching and teaching what Ian Gallagher said or what some man said. I will be teaching to you what the Lord Jesus said. I will be taking this Bible, the book of God, the words of the Savior, and seeking by every means to impress them upon your heart. This is my authority. This is my mandate. And we are to feed on this this is the work that we're given to do. Now, back in chapter 14, the Lord promised that he would give them the Holy Spirit and he would bring all things to their remembrance. Two of these, Matthew and John, wrote two Gospels, Matthew and John. Uh, Luke was not one of the disciples. Mark was not one of the disciples, although they were inspired as they were. But Matthew and John recorded the words of the Lord Jesus for us. And we have an authoritative word, inspired, written by apostles, men who were promised the Holy Spirit who would bring all things to their remembrance, and we are to feed on these words. We're to feed on it as instructive. How do we know what to do as a Christian? How do we know what's right and wrong? How do we know what pleases the Lord? How do we know how to be effective as living witnesses? We are to take the words of the Lord Jesus, have them abide in us. Uh, Paul, when he was talking about the inspiration of the word in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired and given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, instruction, do you really want to know how to live as a Christian life? Do you really want to please your Lord? Do you really want to know the will of God? Let these words abide in you. Feed on them as instructive. There are also words that are unchanging. The Bible will never be replaced. You may as well talk about getting rid of gravity or the need of oxygen for a Christian this is our absolute essential. And it will never change until the trumpet sounds and the Lord returns. This is our 
food. It is an unchanging word, and it is our only guide. We're also to feed on this word as sanctifying. The Lord Jesus prayed, Father, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Do you really want to be holy? Do you really want to be conformed into the image of the Lord? Do you really want to get over those bad habits, sins? Do you really want to get rid of the power of the flesh in your life? Abide. Let these words abide in you. And let me tell you, there is a power to that word that it is living, sanctifying. It produces holiness and it changes the heart and the life. So there's the two ways that we are to practice abiding. We are to accept and feed. The third way is to keep. There's something we must keep. Look at verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. We're asking the question, how do we abide in the Lord? How do we do this? But what is the practice of this? Well, we're commanded here to keep the commandments of the Lord. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So how did the Lord Jesus abide in the Father's love? What did he do when he came down to earth? He came to do the will of the Father. He came to fulfill the mission that the Father gave him. And every part of our Savior's life was in perfect obedience to the revealed will of the Father. How do we abide and keep his commandments? We obey the revealed will of God. Now, there are certain things that God has not revealed. He has not revealed the day that the Lord Jesus is going to return. We don't know that date. And everyone that has ever tried to try and fill in the blank and predict the date when the Lord Jesus would return, they have proven to be a fool. So we don't want to go down that path. So anything that God has not revealed, we do not seek to follow. But where God has spoken and what God has revealed as his will is the business of every Christian that would abide in the Lord and have the Lord to abide in him. Do you really want to have close fellowship with the Lord? Do you really want to be a victorious Christian? Do you really want to learn how to pray and get through to God and live in fellowship in the sunshine of the love of our Heavenly Father? This is what we must keep, His commandments. The Bible says that it is better to obey than sacrifice. And that means a whole lot of worship without obedience is empty. And that statement comes from the command that was given to King Saul. King Saul was told to slay King Agag, but he didn't do it. And there was a whole lot of his possessions he didn't destroy either. And Saul was judged for disobeying God. And Samuel came to him and said, it is better 
to obey than to sacrifice. Now, many people have gone through the doors of a church today and they take part in some part of religious service and then maybe in the afternoon or tomorrow morning, they will be anything but obeying the Lord. Living lives that are worldly, carnal, wicked. You see, religious exercise without obedience to God's truth is just sheer hypocrisy. And if we want to have fellowship with God, we not only are to have a lip service of agreeing with God, but we must walk in his commandments. And every Christian will every day be searching this Bible and they will say, now what is the will of God for me? God, I want you to speak to me and tell me how I should do. And maybe a big decision comes up and they search the Bible and they want to know what they should do. And sometimes they will call their pastor and say, I've got a major decision. How, what should I do? Well, that puts the pastor on the hot seat. What does he do? Well, he said, well, maybe we should talk about it and we arrange a visit and get together. But we would do it with Bible in hand and say, well, what does the Bible say? Let's let the Bible speak. And, and maybe someone with a little more experience and Bible knowledge will, will bring to bear the light of God's word upon that decision. Now that's abiding in the words of the Lord. Are you doing that? You see, when you rush out and make decisions without abiding in the Lord or his word abiding in you, you're not acting as a branch in the vine. You're doing it alone. You're doing it in your own strength. Uh, the hymn writer puts it this way, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on, his, on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Now, do you see the logic? Do you see the reasonable force of the Lord saying, unless you walk in my light and fulfill my word and do my commandments, I'm not going to give you my joy. I'm not going to give you my peace. I'm not going to give you my uh, love flowing in your heart. You're going to be like a branch set aside and your life will become barren. So there is accept life as a branch in the vine. Feed on the Lord's word and keep the Lord's commandments. And as you go down this chapter, you'll notice that there are a great many commandments to keep. And they're all linked to the joy and they're linked to the love. For example, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that you love one another and so on right down that passage until he comes right to the very end. How do you abide and have the Lord abiding in you? Well, I think it was Mary that put it very simply. Just do what he says. Just do what he says. That's it. And that becomes the life of a Christian. I am endeavoring by God's grace to do the will of my heavenly Father, that I might be a branch 
bearing fruit for him. What a wonderful life it becomes. And yes, the Lord's in charge of the fruit. We are in charge or involved and responsible for abiding, abiding in the Lord. What about this week before us? We're speaking here about a very practical part of Christian living, the practice of abiding in the Lord. What steps will you take to organize your life, discipline your walk, that will enable you to abide in the Lord and have his words abide in you and keep his commandments? Now, I'm not going to lay down the the, the steps that you're going to follow here. Everybody has a different program schedule of life. But it is a truism that if you do not have that time with the Lord in his word, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And as you live out of fellowship with the Lord, more and more you will fail to keep his commandments. And more and more, you will be as a branch set aside. It is therefore imperative, it's absolutely vital that you live as a branch in the vine and live in the enjoyment of real, meaningful, personal fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Now, I've been speaking to Christians here today, people who are professing that the Lord is their Savior, that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus. All of this applies to you. If you're not a Christian, if you are not saved, the first thing that you need to make sure is that you are united to the Lord Jesus. You do that by faith. You do that by believing the gospel and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. You are the Savior that came into the world. You're the Son of God. And I need this life. I have nothing but death in my own life. I am heading for death. And I need the life of the Son of God in me that I might begin this very fellowship now of abiding in the... You can't abide in something if you're not already in it. Have you ever come to accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you ever come as a sinner and said, Lord, I need you to be my Savior. Save me from my sins. Wash me in your blood. Take me as your child. Call me and I will follow. And then you begin... You begin the new life as a branch in the vine. Now, if you're not saved today, if you're not a Christian today, I'd love to help you. I've got a little booklet called A New Beginning that we give to any that are searching to know the Lord, and I'd love to share that with you and talk with you. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music